0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A wonderful truth that we hold dear as Christians is the uh, great deep truth of God's love. Uh, We are encouraged and inspired and amazed by the fact that our God loves us. I'm sure many of you asked yourself or heard the question asked by another, Uh, Does God love me? Does God love us? And the answer to that question is very obvious, but not dull. Yes, Jesus loves me. We know that Sunday school song called Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. How many of you grew up singing that song? Raise your hand, all right? Many of you went to church and uh, growing up in Sunday school, and you sang that song many, many times. And, uh, but, you know, it doesn't get dull if you sing it when we're adult years either. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Well, the Bible tells me so. And uh, by this simple song, the love of God toward us is very, very obvious. How? Because the Word of God says that He loves us. How do we know that He loves us? Well, the Bible says that He loves us. And that we have faith in the Word of God. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Without this book, we would not get to know our Savior, Jesus Christ. Without the Word of God, we would not know His plan, and we would not know how He feels, and, and we would not know how He acts upon our lives, and we must recognize the fact that the Bible is a foundation of our belief, and one of the greatest truth, or maybe the greatest truth that we know as Christians today, is that God loves us. The Word of God tells us that He loves me, He loves you, and He loves all of us, and not only all of us, but all the people in the world. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, verse 4, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And Jesus Christ uh, came to earth and, uh, in a bodily form, and, and uh, he was uh, born in a manger, and he grew up as a carpenter's son, he grew up in Nazareth, and, and uh, he dwelt among men, the Bible says. And as we think about our Savior, we must recognize the fact that throughout history he has been talked about every century and every uh, decade because he was truly the living Savior, and that His love was true, and what He did on that cross was genuine. In John chapter three verse sixteen, for God so loved the who, the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In First John four nine, in this was manifested, meaning revealed, so that every woman know. The love of God toward us. You see, we have no confusion here this morning. And the world should not be confused because the Bible specifically says that He loves us and He has manifested, revealed this love toward all men through His Son, Jesus Christ. And God is not the author of confusion. And God is a God who cannot lie. He loves us, and there should be no doubt about it. The Bible tells us so. And now, what do we do with this truth, this wonderful truth? God loves me. Well, I believe the very first response that we need to have is that we need to love him back. If God loves us, then we need to love him back. The Bible says in 1 John four nineteen. would you read this with me? Ready? We love him because he first loved us. You know, the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our hearts and minds and soul and strength. There's no doubt about this either, and, and we must recognize that as much as God loves us, we are commanded and reminded to love Him back. However, there's something more God wants us to do outside of just loving Him. And we thank God that we get to love Him, we get to dwell in His presence, and we must do more of that, not just on Sunday, but every single day. We must dwell in the love of Christ, and we must always recognize uh, that we need to love Him more because He loved us so through His Son and through His sacrifice. And uh, But as we think about this true. furthermore, as we reason together, as we ponder about the Word of God, God wants us not to just love Him, but secondly, He wants us to love others. And we know the, the greatest commandment, as Jesus Christ reminded us in the New Testament, is to love God with all of our hearts and with all of our minds, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. And he goes on secondly. He says, the second is like unto it. By the way, the lawyer did not ask for two commandments. The lawyer asked, what is the greatest commandment? But Jesus Christ answered with, Two answers. He says to love God, and then what? To love others. Christ could have just simply said, just love me. Love God. And uh, uh, we see in the Old Testament, God communicated to the Israelites as well. But Jesus Christ made sure to remind the people, remind us, especially as we live in this 21st century, as we hold to the word of God to be true, that we need to love others. You might say you love God, my friend, but I wonder if you love others. Because that's what God is wondering. And I believe that's what God wants all of us to uh, uh, follow in his commandment, not just to love him. And that is the greatest commandment. If we don't love him, of course, we cannot love others. But ladies we cannot love others and, uh, and, 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 and uh, I'm sorry, we cannot say that we love, or that we don't like, uh, or we don't like somebody, or we don't love somebody, and say that we love God. It doesn't work that way. If we just love God, then you love others as well. And the important question for all of us is, do I love others? And we need to ask ourselves, do I love the church? That's a good question, too. As we're acknowledging this topic of love, it's very apparent that God has feelings. Would you agree with me on that? God does hurt. God does get grieved. God does get disappointed. God does get angry. And we thank God that he does love, too. And it's a great truth. And love is charity and giving, yes, but it is an affection. And God affectionately loves us. And, and God wants His body, His church, to affectionately love Him, but also each other. We might be sitting here this morning, but do we love each other? Do we truly care for each other? Let's notice some scripture here in 1 John. And the Bible says in chapter 4, verse 7, John was pounding this truth to the Christians in this epistle. Over and over and over again. And we see in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of who? Of God. He's reminding, hey, God is love, and, and if we truly say we believe God, we have God, then we ought to love one another. And everyone that loveth God is born of God and knoweth God. First John four sixteen, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And and John is saying it makes sense if you say that you have the dwelling of God in your life, then it makes sense that you love one another. In 1 John 4, 12, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. And he's saying that, hey, your communication of truth, your communication of love, your uh, your stand as a Christian is more perfected and, and that it makes more sense it becomes more mature, it becomes more solid when you love each other. In 1 John 4, 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know, we might know the truth, and we might do some deeds, but do we truly love each other, my friend? And I think about knowledge, and I shared with you on Wednesday night, if you were there, and the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. But Charity edifieth. Charity edifieth. What's going to really construct the church to be more spiritual and to be more like Jesus? Charity. The love of God. And we need to recognize that this morning. And as much as we need to love God, we need to love each other and love. Love the church, love his body. How can we say we love the head of the church, but not his body, the church that we see today? And we cannot sever those two relationships, my friend. If we say we love Christ, we love the church. And uh, it all goes together. That's what John is saying here. You cannot sever the two. You cannot say, I dislike somebody, I, I maybe ignore somebody. No, if you love God, if you love Christ, then you love the church. That's why I believe Jesus Christ had to say, the second is like unto it, love your neighbor. I believe that he was saying, as much as you love me with all of my heart, with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your soul, and all of your mind, I want you to do the same thing to your neighbor. Love them with all of your strength. Love them with all of your heart, with all of your mind, all of your soul. Give it all you have to your neighbor. That's the same thing with marriage, too. Your family members, co workers. Doesn't matter where you are in life and what kind of people are around you, God says, second is like unto it. You've got to love them as much as you love me because it all goes together. You cannot say, you love me and not love another because God is love. Oh, we need a church that feels. We need a church that is affectionately loving each other. And we could say we love God, but do we love the church? Because if we love the church genuinely and sincerely, that will prove our love for God. Uh, I think about a lady named Nora Ham-Biggs, who is 103 years old this year. And she was removed from her church in Alberton, Georgia. I'm sure many of you heard the story from news, and she had been attending since she was 11 years old, that same church. And uh, she's been a member of their church for over 90 years. Almost a century there. She also worked as a secretary for 40 years. A woman who just loves her church. And this is a church that her grandfather planted. It's a Baptist church, by the way. I think it's called Union Grove Baptist Church in Georgia. However, Miss Big was banned last month in September from attending after she disagreed with the new pastor's preaching style. He He had a style called holiness style. She remarked at one point, he had a crew in here, and they were hollering and falling out in the middle of the floor. Now, We just don't do that at a Baptist church. And when I read that, amen. (laughs) I don't know, maybe this uh, preacher preached uh, about uh, uh, possession of the Spirit, or I'm not sure, uh, uh, maybe uh, about different healings. But she remarked, we just don't do that here at the Baptist church. Thank God she stood her ground about her doctrine, and about the practice, and about the polity of the church, and... But she was banned with a former, uh, with a uh, uh, with a uh, uh, printed letter from the pastor, but uh guess what happened after she received the letter? It didn't stop her from going to the church the next Sunday. And the preacher called the police. Wow. Probably gave the document. this is. The letter uh, banning Miss Big from our church, and now she's here. She's no longer welcome here. But after a while, and, and th- different uh, attorney getting involved, guess who won? Miss Biggs. The preacher left with other members to form a new church. Now, the doctrine and practice was the issue, and thank God she stood her ground about that, and the preacher was wrong, and... But we also see that the preacher lacked love and compassion and patience. But Mrs. Big, Miss Big, through it all, as other members left the church, it broke her heart. And in the interview, she said, I hope the others, other members will one day come back. I hope the other members will one day come back. You know, Mrs. Big just did not love the. Service, or just a schedule, of ser- a schedule of meetings, or maybe the building or the property. But she loved God's people. Now, I'm not sure what the doctrine and the practice uh, in Union Grove Baptist Church, but I believe that we could draw a good application from this, and knowing that the body of Christ should never suffer schisms. It should never suffer division. We should all be united together and love each other as much as possible. And if there are some disagreements, yes, we need to talk face to face, and we need to open the Word of God and see what the Bible says. Now, we need to speak the truth in love, God's people say. We're not going to just tear down each other. Look what the Bible says here. No, the Bible says we need to speak the truth in love. We need a church that feels knows and stands his ground, but a church that feels, that loves, and has grace and mercy, and I need to work on that more, and I think we all need to grow in this area. As a church, we may believe, right, but also I hope we love each other too. In our text this morning, we observe God's pleasure in his church, and how many believe that God loves Bible Baptist Church? Oh, just few people. Let me say that again. How many believe that God loves Bible Baptist Church? Amen. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, God loves this church no matter how imperfect. And no matter maybe how weird. God loves this church. doesn't matter what our perspective is. God's perspective to his church is very clear. He loves his church, and he gave himself for it. He gave his blood for it. That's how much he loves this church. And how we ought to love each other. And uh, God takes great pleasure in this church, and Apostle Paul communicates that to the Corinthian church as well. And, and uh, what would please the Lord as he sees his church? And it will be his love, bonding, and strengthening in his church, of course. And I'd like to share with you three of God's pleasure in his church through love. Number one, God's pleasure in his appointment. Let's think about that this morning, if you're taking notes. God's pleasure in his appointment. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, "But God had, <clears throat> but now God had set the members, every one of them, in the body. As it had, what's the next two words there? Pleased him. So God takes great pleasure in his appointment, meaning how the church members are placed in the body. He sets everyone in his place, and everyone is special and significant to God. And 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 first of all, let's notice that we are appointed differently. In verse nineteen, and if they're all, if we're all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members? Yet but one body. No body member looks the same, nor does it function the same. And that's why each of them are very special. We are all different, but significant, and we ought to see each other that way. So. Some people are to be uh, uh, loved by their different personality, and they might be full of joy all the time, and they might be full of patience all the time. Maybe they're very quiet, and some people might be very zealous, and they might be thinking you know, with their feet more than maybe uh, with their mind, but they have the zeal. And some people might be loved for their encouragement in the Lord, and, and they have the gift of mercy, and, and they have the gift of grace, and, and some people might be gift gifted in different uh, service for the Lord, and some some people might have different perception in knowing Jesus, and some people might have passion in living for God compared to others, but I'm just simply saying, with all the different mixtures and different personalities and different gifts, hey, we ought to love them as such. doesn't matter how different they are from you. I think we ought to see the special side to that. You know, some people are more gifted in teaching than I am in this church. Some people are more gifted in communication than I am. And uh, uh, some people are more charismatic, or in the sense, now I'm not talking about the charismatic movement, all right? And uh, I'm talking about just being more, I guess, up front stage, uh, 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 I guess, comfortable and and uh, they might be very more good with that. And, and, uh, and I believe all my heart, with all these different gifts and personalities, it makes a wonderful church to function well, as long as we do it in humility. And uh, I believe that as much as they are different than you, I believe that's the special part about the church. And, uh, and some people might have different uh, background and different culture and maybe even different language. And by the way, the church, as we see it, in the book of Revelation, and the Bible says that Christians up there are identified by different nations and different tongues. Now, we believe, uh, well, some believe, there is a heavenly language. And we shared on Mission Conference, people were fighting it out, amen? Every time they came to the pulpit, and somebody said, oh, oh, it's going to be Spanish. And uh, somebody said English. And then uh, our guest preacher said, it's going to be Italian, amen? So, you know, uh, different uh, opinions about that. And yeah, there might, be different, uh, uh, heavenly la- uh, there might be a different heavenly language, maybe a new language, and we're not sure about that. But people are identified by different tongues. I might be able to speak Korean still in heaven. Okay? I might be able to speak maybe uh, English still. By the way, I think about the book of Acts. I know I'm rabbit-trolling. I'm sorry. But I think about the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. What happened to the disciples? They spoke in what? Yeah, different language. A known tongue. Not an unknown tongue, okay? Known tongue. Not gibberish. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a known tongue. English, Japanese, or Chinese, or maybe... Uh, uh, Arabic or maybe uh, German. I'm not sure. Wherever those Jewish people were from, they came together and they heard the wonderful words of God in their own language. Maybe in heaven. Maybe in heaven. All right, That we were able to speak with each other. Okay. With different languages but understand each other. Now where are you going with this? I know it's a little rabbit trail. Okay. But I'm just simply saying that heaven is a mixture of different culture and different language. And as we have church at Bible Baptist, this is a little picture of heaven, God's people say and we have different culture and different background and and language of course unites you know different services together and and i don't think some people here you might know spanish and and uh, and and thank god you get to go maybe two services on a sunday and you could do that but some people cannot understand spanish so they come to the english service so that they could hear the word of god in their own language and be fed and grow and uh, but i'm just simply saying it's a wonderful picture of a uh, uh, little heaven and and uh, 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 heaven down on earth, and we must rejoice in the fact that people are different, and we must rejoice in the fact that we do have different personality and different culture, and uh, and and the person that unites all together is our Savior Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ takes great pleasure in the appointment, in the placement that God has in His members, and let us be very clear about that and let us support each other let us love each other and uh, you know some people might be ushering this morning some people might be teaching this morning some people might be cleaning this afternoon and whatever they do and whatever they do in their gifts and their personality hey let us support each other and be grateful for them because they're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ and they might do it a different way than you do but they're still glorifying the Lord and we must be pleased about the functions of the church. You must be loving the people with their different gifts and different personalities. Secondly, appointed for dependence. And the eye cannot say into the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You know, notice that statement, I have no need of you. What a terrible statement for a church to say to another member. And uh, no one can say, I have no need of you, uh, concerning maybe our body members, as we see our physical bodies today, and I believe that we need every part of our bodies, and and, uh, I believe they have their functions, and and, uh, they work together, and I think about myself right now, and I I don't have a very good vision, okay, and uh, if I take off my glasses, everybody is a blur, okay, and, uh, you know, uh, I can't even make out your faces today, and I don't even know where your noses are, and your eyes, I'm not, I'm, not sure, I'm not even sure if you're frowning at me right now, or if you're mad at me, or if you're uh, smiling at me, okay, and I have a very terrible vision, and uh, I, I, I can't do without glasses, I, I can't drive uh, anywhere without my glasses, and uh, as you know, uh, I've been recently wearing these home glasses, uh, uh, because I ran out of contacts and, uh, contacts, and I need to buy some more, and and uh, I was thinking, you know, I could just go on. It's okay. I have my glasses, and I'll seek some money for a little bit, and then I'll get contacts later. But guess what happened? I realized I need my eyes with contacts because I cannot get a haircut with glasses on. Now, I don't get a haircut at a barbershop. I cut my own hair. And you might be thinking, no wonder they're so messed up. <laughs> no, I cut my own hair. So I can't have my glasses on and cut my own hair. If I, try, if, if I were to try that last night and without my glasses, and I can't, you know, my hands, you know, I mean, it would just go everywhere. I mean, It wouldn't work. I couldn't just give the proper fade and maybe the proper, you know, la- uh, layers or whatever. And uh, so I, can't, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. And my hands and, and, and my hair and my head is relying on my eyesight. And ladies and gentlemen, it's simple as that. As the church, there might be some, uh, 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 we'll talk about this later, but the feeble and maybe the uh, uh, the uncomely members of the body, but they're very significant. And we need them for dependence. My eyes are dependent on where my feet should be. <laughs> And, uh, and my feet is dependent on my eyes as well and where I need to, where I need to walk, where I need to be. And, and, ladies and gentlemen, let us recognize the fact that uh, uh, we are dependent on each other as a church as well, no matter how weak, no matter how strong, no matter how gifted, no matter how ungifted, no matter how wise, no matter how simple, no matter how knowledgeable, no matter how ignorant. And uh, 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 we need to uh, uh, recognize we all need each other. For example, let's say there is a knowledgeable Christian. And there is an ignorant Christian. person may be not full of God's word, and they're just baby Christians. As we think about the mature, maybe the knowledgeable Christian, and maybe the immature, ignorant Christian, you know, they both need each other. There might be a strong Christian right here, but that strong Christian needs the weak Christian. And that weak Christian needs a strong Christian. Now, how does that work? Why would the strong Christian need the weak Christian? Because a strong Christian needs to mentor, outsource what he knows, and teach the weak, weak, weak Christian about the things of God. Without that, the Bible says, knowledge puffs up. Charity, what? Edify it. So the mature Christian needs to go to the weak Christian and do his best to teach them and outsource what he knows, and do his best to mentor them in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if he just has knowledge, and that's all he has, and he doesn't outsource those things, and he doesn't really impact or influence somebody's life with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, or maybe even the great truth of God and the foundational doctrine, I believe that person will just sit there at church and just worshiping himself or herself. That person needs a weak Christian to mentor and to remind himself once again, hey, I was once like that too. It helps me when I disciple somebody and, and try to teach the word of God to somebody who is due. It reminds me over and over again, hey, I was also once like that and, and trying to make the right decision, right, to make the right choices and, and uh, uh, having some difficult issues about different temptations. And I was once like that and God has delivered me. God has been very gracious and, and as a knowledgeable person, I'm able to humble myself as I mentor the weak Christian. You see how the strong Christian needs the weak Christian. And the weak Christian needs a strong Christian to be edified, to be strengthened, and to be structured once again. By the way, no Christian becomes a strong Christian overnight. Every Christian needs to do it step at a time, every single day. And uh, let us depend on each other and understand each other and love each other. Be gracious to each other because God takes great pleasure in his appointment. Appointed differently, appointed for dependence. Secondly, God's pleasure in abundant honor. Abundant honor. God takes great pleasure in supporting the weak. Christ the king will say one day, I was hungry. He gave me meat. I was thirsty. He gave me drink. I was a stranger. He took me in. Naked, he clothed me. I was sick. He visited me. I was in prison. He came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when we... Saw we thee hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When we see the, uh, when saw we the uh, stranger and took thee in, or naked or clothed thee? When saw we the sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall say ans- and shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And uh, you know the righteous are somewhat uh, faced with the question, when. Did we ever see you hunger this way and thirst this way and be naked and, and also be neglected? Oh, or maybe in, in prison? When do we even see you like that? And Jesus said, when you have done it to the least of my brethren. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, God does take care of the weak. God does love the weak. God wants to have the feeble to be taken care of. I think about the fact that in the book of Acts, the church was growing and growing in the Jeru- in the city of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that Gre- Grecian widows were neglected. Yeah, and the church had to come together, and they appointed uh, men of honest report filled the Holy Spirit, and we know one of them to be Stephen, and, and he was a great martyr. But did you know that his number one reason why he became a deacon? I believe that's. The, de- the the position of a deacon there as I study the scripture I know it doesn't talk about deacon in that scripture but there's no other office or appointment that a church can go through you know except the pastor and deacons and and, and Philip was a deacon of course and and uh, so we see that the deacons were appointed and as we think about uh, Stephen he was a great orator he had a great knowledge of doctrine he had a great knowledge of the Old Testament you read his sermon sometime he just goes right through it and uh, he's He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's bold. But his main ministry was to take care of the who? The widows. He was appointed to that position to take care of the widows, to serve the feeble and maybe the neglected. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I think about even a child, the Bible says, Jesus says, "Verily, I say unto you, you, say be converted, become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven." You know, little child could have the greatest faith at Bible Baptist Church. Yeah, a little child, a simple faith. You know, as we are adults, we have somewhat trouble, because maybe we have experienced some things we have been disappointed with a lot of different uh, issues of life, and maybe doubts come in so easily, but for a child, it is so much more simple, and God says, such is like, such, they are like the kingdom of God. I think about Josiah, my little boy, he's, he's only four years old, and I remember one time, he, we, we try to read the Bible every day, and, and on Sunday night, I try to ask them, you know, uh, you give me the Bible story that you learned today. So they give me the story of the Bible story that they from Mrs. Brooks or Brother Harry or maybe Mrs. Price in nursery or whatever. And they tell me the story for maybe five minutes or ten minutes. And I enjoy listening to it. And, uh, and they, kinda, they, they do remember all the things that uh, they were taught. And uh, so the teachers are doing a good job. And uh, I appreciate them. And uh, I remember one time we're, re- we're about to read the Bible. And, and I said, oh, Josiah, you like the Bible. By the way, he always reminds me about that. He says, we need to read the Bible before we go to bed. I thank God for that, and, and uh, I'm not speaking, uh, you know, uh, in any way, uh, boasting about him, but I appreciate the, his simplicity, and he says, and, uh, you know, uh, we need to read the Bible. And I said, you know, Josiah, you like the Bible, huh? But he says, no, I love the Bible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, just simple faith. Just simple pleasure, simple love of God. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know, We need to recognize that some of the feeble people in our church might be the group of people that God takes great pleasure in. And maybe even one day, God will unfold in the future, and God will burn all the wood, hay, and stubble, and then he'll keep all the gold, silver, and precious stones of all the things that the church did. What if God reveals that the greatest thing that we did was to pick up the bus kids? To care of the least of my brethren. And you might be thinking, oh, we gotta have some priority in the church, we've got to make sure it works and it functions well, we've got to structure it right. But sometimes we're neglecting the feeble. We're neglecting those that God takes great interest in. The less honorable those members of the body which think to be less honorable upon those bestow more abundant honor, and our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. As we give attention, the less honorable, it can have more abundant significance. And Why should one, ch- one church member be ignored? Why should one church be, attendee be ignored? Couldn't we just come together and give them special attention and honor so that they do become significant? And, and uh, when you give a little bit more honor, and when you give more attention, and, and when you give more love to this less honorable member of the body, God says it will bring more abundant honor. That member of the body will become more abundant honor. I believe it's simply talking about how a weak Christian or maybe a less positioned Christians could be mentored and grow in the Lord Jesus Christ to have great significance in the church. I think about the great story of Paul and Barnabas. Well, Saul, before he was called Paul, Saul got saved, preached boldly at Damascus. They were trying to kill him. He got down with a a rope and basket and went to Jerusalem. He assayed himself to join the Jerusalem church. And the Jerusalem church said, no, 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 no. no. We're not going to have him. I don't believe that he's a Christian. He wants to destroy us. He wants to imprison us like the others. But who took him in? Barnabas did. Barnabas took him in and saw the potential of Saul, the less honorable, and mentored him, mentored him, mentored him. And Paul became the great missionary that we know today. God used Barnabas to give attention to the less honorable, to bring forth more abundant honor. Ladies and gentlemen, there might be some kids here at our church. There might be some people in our church with the rough background, with the maybe terrible past, but that person could be the next Sunday school teacher. That person could be the next greatest sowner at Bible Baptist. That person, that person could be the great servant at Bible Baptist. I'm just simply saying, do not neglect the less honorable. God might do something special with that person. You just never know. With that in mind, I gotta be finished number three god 's pleasure in adoration for comely parts have no need, but God had tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. You know Christ does not want schism division in the body, so notice we must adore the church as much as Christ adores the church, and he takes great pleasure in adoration and uh, we need to, letter A, suffer together. You know, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. When one member is going through a trial, we must all feel the same way. There is no place for it. Thank God I am, going, I am not going through that trial like he or she is. No, we all go through it together. That's what the Bible is speaking. His trial is my trial. Her trial is my trial. Suffer together suffer together. I remember when I lost my father at the age of 10, and I remember our church that I was attending was, I think, maybe good 800, maybe 900 people. Very big church in Seoul, Korea. And uh, Pastor Kane was the pastor. I remember going to Sunday school every Sunday. And, and uh, my dad hated church, of course, but he got saved a year before he passed away. And He's in heaven today. I remember when I was 10 years old, being in that that room where my uh, dad died. And, and uh, they set up some uh, some kind of covering and, and some kind of wall covering as well to kind of uh, keep the body in the other side of the room. It was a very small room. And we had the funeral service there in Korea. We had the people come uh, to pay respect. And we don't go to You know, a mortuary or anything like that. The body is kept at the at the home. And uh, I remember, on that very, uh, the next day, the next morning, Pastor King came. And uh, he took the subway, he took the bus, probably an hour and a half or so, came to our home, prayed for us, and uh, he patted me on the back, and he said. It's going to be okay. I lost my daddy just so about your age, and he took care of me. I still remember those words that he told me that day. He's about maybe 5'11". He was very tall. and, and uh, Well, to me, he was very tall. I was like, you know, only fourth grade. I looked up at him with his gray, slick back hair, with thick glasses, and he just encouraged me that day just with those few words. I don't know how much influence those words had on me that day, but I just remember that pastor suffering with us, being there for us, loving us, and giving us assurance that God will take care of us. I thank God for that. Who would have known that I would become a pastor one day? And who he would have probably never even thought maybe I would have been Called to ministry, but he was able to suffer together with us, and I thank God for that. And we ought to do the same as a church. No matter what trial others are going through, it's ours too. Secondly, rejoice together when one would be honored; all the members rejoice with it. You know, if someone gets a house, we are rejoicing together. If someone gets a Lamborghini, we want to take a ride with them. Now. <laughs> If someone gets a raise at work, we are rejoicing with him. Uh, brother Jeffrey just started his job this week. We're rejoicing with him. We congratulate him this Wednesday night. And uh, he's taking the Metro. Hey, why'd you buy a car, brother? You're taking the Metro now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he just bought a recently new car, and he had to take the Metro because the, the function there in L.A. downtown is really hectic. So and uh, how we rejoice with him, with the good job that God gave him. Just gives stability for his family. And uh, as you know, they re- recently lost a loved one. And God just assuring this family that God will take care of them in the future. And we rejoice together for all that. And ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, verse 4, would you read this with me? I think it's on the scripture. Do you have that? No. Okay, I'll just read it for you. The wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? You know, envy in the church is going to ruin the church. It's going to kill the church. It's going to make great havoc. Do not be envious toward another member. Be content. Number three, identify together. Now, ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. You know, we are the church, let's not be ashamed of that. We are the body of Christ, let's not be ashamed of that. Let's identify with each other. Let's also identify with Christ. Let's all have feelings and cares, love for each other. And by the way, when I see you at Sam's Club, when I see you at, maybe at a restaurant, I hope you shake hands and say hi, amen? Oh, it discouraged me, I was eating at a restaurant, and... One church member, one of the ladies at our church, I saw her with her family members, and she was excited to see me. She smiled, and then we smiled, and I had the kids bow and say hi. And She's from the Korean ministry, and, uh, and we sat kind of close together, and uh, we ate. And, and we didn't really talk to each other. We had, they had their own private conversation. We had our own private conversation. But I remember one young man walked across right in front of me. And I said, hey, I called out his name really loud. Okay. Called him out, really loud. And then my wife, too, but he kept on walking. He said hi to another table. I think he turned around, my wife said, and kind of gave a smile and just said hi. But didn't really talk to us. Oh, that really hurt my heart. He used to be very faithful here at our church. By the way, that's the second time I saw him at that same restaurant. I know where he eats at, amen. <laughs> Trying to confront this guy. But the the first time I met him, he didn't even say hi. Kept on just eating the food. I try to say hi, I say, hey, how you doing? Hey. No response. It hurts me dearly. We're not identifying together as a church. I beg I beg grief about that. And uh, I'm just simply saying today. You know, we have a service here at our church. We thank God for that. But out there, we're still identifying as members of Bible Baptist, God's people say. Where do you go to church? Oh, I'm not sure what the name is. Oh, I get discouraged when I go door knocking. And it's like, where do you go to church? It's like, mm, I'm not sure. You go there every Sunday? Yeah, but I'm not sure. You know the tr- name of the church? Everyone say? Whoa. <laughs> what's our What's our church name? Bible Baptist Church. Yeah. Right behind Sam's Club. Yeah. There's another one in Marine. Don't, don't confuse people. Amen? And, uh, so I'm just simply saying, identify yourself with the church. Don't be ashamed of it. And don't you say this either. Oh, I just go to a little tiny church in Gardena, you know. And it just communicates how you don't want to identify with Oh, we, serve, we go to a very small church that's conservative, you know. It's oh, boy. Oh, boy. You know what you're doing to yourself? You're embarrassing yourself. Just say, I go to Bible Baptist church. We believe the Bible. We believe in Jesus Christ. And we're proud of it. And you just love the church. And I'm just simply saying, identify with each other. My time is up. But let's take pleasure in what God takes great pleasure in adoration and also in appointment. And ladies and gentlemen, let us be very clear, let us be very clear that God does take care of the feeble and uh, maybe the uncomplicated parts of our church. Let us feel for them. Let us help them. Let us encourage each other.